Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. I have a I have a abnormal Mother's Day gift for you ladies. I got you hammers. Okay, so, um, yes, sure, thank you. Well, let's get a man to do that. <laughs> uh-huh, I'm going to have Mike do it. It's okay, Terry. <laughs> awesome. So Mike's going to come around and hand out the hammers. There's a reason why we gave out hammers. You will hear the message today. Hopefully, it makes sense to you. Hopefully, it makes sense to you. Yeah. Okay, so I made that joke as well. I made that joke saying, you know, if we're, if we're giving away tools, maybe I get a little handheld. And, and I got mixed responses, I'll be honest. Some people are like, don't you dare. And others are like, I want one of those. So I was like, oh. Yeah, no vacuum cleaners are going to be given out because that will make front page of the paper. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not what, that's not what we want to be known for. Okay. Oh, word, Father's Day is coming. Okay, all right. Come on, we did a little swap around, giving the girls hammers. All right. All right, well, um, Mika is sad. We were supposed to co-teach this. Uh, we've been working on it together, but Quinn has got a really high fever, so she is home. Um, and um, so we made the decision for, for me to just come do that. I was willing to stay home, but with stuff going on, she said, no, Chris, go ahead. So um, take a look at your hammers, ladies. These are, um, these are cheap jewelry hammers, okay? But they symbolize, they symbolize something. Um, you know, you can do a lot of things with a hammer. You can build, you can tear down, right? And we're going to learn today that actually with a hammer, you can kill. And um, that made a lot of the guys nervous just now. And... Um, um, but but what I what I want to point to is that a hammer rightly used in the hand of wisdom will do some things that are desperately needed to be done in this season by women, by the mothers. Okay, so with that, um, I'm going to um, get us started. Um, you know, God's on the move. He's on the move here. How many of you enjoyed our time with Mark and Malvina last weekend? Uh, I think it was a pivotal, pivotal weekend. And one of the realities was is, is that we weren't ready. We didn't know what was going to happen. And we went to some places Saturday and Sunday and Sunday night that, that I think might have taken some energy out of some people. Okay, so can we just receive a refreshing from the Holy Spirit? Because what God wants to do is not have us hold back. Like it took a while to kind of get everybody engaged instead of observing worship today. And that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that in a negative. Just sometimes we come in and we're like, okay, I, I need ministry. I need, but God's saying, when you come to me, you minister to me, I flow into you. I feel you. Right, and so we've sometimes we've missed it in that we've we've backed off from press pressing in, and so we took a weekend last weekend. We just pressed in and pressed in and pressed in, and for some people, they're like I don't got anything else to press. 
But that means that we need to be filled by the Spirit because it is not by our might and it is not by our power, but it is by His Spirit that we are able to do uncommon, unnatural things. Supernatural things happen by His Spirit, not by our skill, capacity, and power. Amen. Amen. So this year, my hope is that as God moves in Sandpoint, that in this region, that the mothers and the women God has called actually spearhead the revival and take up their place in their mantle as the comforters, as the teachers, as the helpers, as the partners, and as the leaders that they are called to be in this community. So will we all stand? Okay, I'm not Catholic, but we're going to do some stand-up sit-down, okay? All right, a little bit. A little bit of stand-up sit-down. Can you just raise your hands and just ask God to refresh you? Holy Spirit, come and refresh us. Fill us and refresh us. Holy Spirit, come and fill us and refresh us. We invite you to come have your way. We thank you, God, that you know best for us. And we don't just give you some space to move in our hearts. We give you all of our heart. We give you all of our body. We thank you as a perfect God. You have a perfect plan for our bodies and perfect health with perfect identity, with perfect mindsets. So we just give our bodies fully to you, God. We thank you that your way is always the safest and the best way for us. Thank you, God. Thank you. Receive a refreshing from the Holy Spirit. Receive it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There are, you might, you might be prepared, Terry. Um, there are several stories in the New Testament and of the Old Testament, all throughout Scripture, of strong female leaders and victories that are won through the leadership and the wisdom of a woman, right? In the Old Testament, we see from like Sarah to Rahab, we see women playing an integral part in, the, in, in, in establishing a nation and in helping break through the enemy lines. We see um, ones like Naomi and Ruth establishing the lineage of Jesus. We see them walking this amazing journey out. Then we see people like Esther saving the nation, right? Stepping into these places. And so the role of women is not small and it's not to be background. You're not to be background noise. You're not to just be seen and not heard. And, and we reject that over this region. That's where all the men said amen. Okay, come on now. All the men said. Thank you, man. Thank you. Come on. We, we empower women to step into their rightful roles in the body of Christ. Now, there's two women in between uh, Rahab and uh, between Rahab and, say, uh, Naomi and Ruth are two women that really stand out in the scriptures. And it's Deborah and a woman named Jael. Now, Deborah was a judge over the nation. So what happens is Joshua takes the people all the way up to the to the river Jordan. Moses is dead. They'd been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. The whole generation had died off and now Joshua is ready to lead them into the promised land, right? And then we see the spies go in and they've got Rahab at Jericho and Rahab 
figure, you know, lets out the spies, right? She does her thing. And then we see Joshua lead the people into the promised land. And from Joshua all the way up until Saul, the nation of Israel was not ruled by a monarchy. It, there weren't kings. There were judges. These were people who were appointed by God to execute God's justice on the nations around them. And of course, what we see happen over and over in Judges is that a judge would come in and they would bring everybody back to the Lord. And then a few years later, they'd be back in captivity again. A nation would come in and they would compromise with what the Lord had asked them to do. They wouldn't follow the law. They would stop temple worship. They'd do all types of stuff. And, and all of a sudden, they'd get conquered by a a neighboring kingdom, and then in that place of being conquered, a judge would rise up and would judge it, right? You think of some of the judges that we think of, you know, like the most famous is probably Samson, right? With the long hair, the really buff dude who was skinnier than me, who was like stronger than, you know, I don't know, we don't have any bodybuilders in this place, do we? I don't know, Kevin, Kevin, right? Let's say Kevin's a strong guy. Oh yeah, Jim's big. Jim's son, stronger than Jim's son. So, so Jesse's wow, he's competing in that world. So, um, so in this in this place, we've got Samson, we've got Gideon, right? So we've got these different judges who are judging, and one of the judges that comes up pretty early on is this woman named Deborah. God established a woman to be a judge over the nation of Israel. So some people would make the argument that the only reason why Deborah became a judge is because the men were weak. Well, that's not in the Bible. Just to be clear, it's not actually, doesn't say that in the scriptures. Okay, just to be clear, that's not biblical. Okay, amen, thank you. I need, I need some, someone agree. Someone agree. All right. Um, so what we're going to look at is this woman named Deborah, and we're also going to look at this housewife named J.L. Okay, so we're going to look at Deborah and J.L. today. Um, and what I'm going to do is, um, as we look at this, is in Judges chapter 4. So if you have your scriptures, you can go there. In Judges chapter 4 today, I believe that God wants to empower the women in this community to take the territory that God has given you. He's given you territory. It's time to take it. So what I'm going to do is give you a summary of this chapter, and then we're going to look at a couple specific points. So here's the summary. Deborah is the acting judge over the nation of Israel. And in Judges, of course, in Judges 5, Deborah says that she was a mother to the nation, right? That, that she says, I, you know, that, and she writes this song. And in the song, um, they have a victory song. And that victory song, she says, I was a mother of the nation. I think it's an interesting concept there. She describes herself as a mother of Israel. We see that when Deborah was judged, the nation of Israel was under the rulership of Jabin, the king of Canaan, right? And that was for 20 years that, that Canaan had been ruling over Israel. Canaan had, or, uh, King Jabin had a general named Sisera. Sisera was known for having this giant chariot army, iron chariots, 900 iron chariots that Sisera had at his disposal. So um, it wasn't just that they were, there was a, a sense of King Jabin's a bad ruler, 
but he would use these 900 iron chariots as an act of threat against anyone who would try and strike back or fight back against King Jabin and his army with the commander Sisera. Now, Deborah, she would rule, she ruled all of Israel and made her judgments under a, under a tree, which was known as the tree of Deborah, okay? And it was between, um, I believe it's between Rephaim and Bethel. And so there's this tree that's there, and a big tree, really big tree, okay? And it was where people would come and gather under this tree, and she would make judgments, okay? So everyone come to, in the nation of Israel would come to Deborah, but Deborah had given uh, Barak, B-R- B-A-R-A-K, Barak, the general who was the general of Israel's army, he she gave him instructions to go to war against Sisera, against King Jabin, because God was going to deliver them into their hands. So she got a word from the Lord. She says, Barak, it's time for you to go. Go fight your battle. When you go, they, you will defeat the 900 chariots. King Jabin will be subdued. He will be underneath your feet. Go fight. And Barak says, nope, I'm not going unless you go. Right? I'm not going to go unless you go. Now, now there's the, this is where anybody would get the sentiment of like it was lacking strong male leadership, and this is why Deborah rose up. What's really interesting about that concept here is that Barak never, he's always concerned about Israel. He's concerned about Israel. He just lacks self-confidence. But he knew who had the word of the Lord. He knew who was anointed by God. And he knew he wasn't Deborah. Deborah was the judge, and he wasn't confident enough to do it on his own. That has nothing to do with whether or not God was appointed, or Deborah was appointed by God. Thank you. All right. So, Barak refused to go up without the judge with him, and Deborah says this. She's going to go with him, but Barak will not get the glory for the win, the glory for the win will go to a woman. And Barak doesn't seem like he cares. He wants to win. He's like, all right, let's go. <laughs> there's no complaint. There's no like, what? There's, you're not letting a man have it? Like none of that business. <gasps> so in the battle, they, they go up, they grab their, their troops at Mount Tabor. They go and they go battle um, by the river Kishon. They go to this big battle, and in the battle, they are absolutely destroying King Jabin's army and Sisera's fleet of chariots. Because they're winning so heavily, Sisera jumps off his chariot and bolts. He's out, you know, because he's there to fight till the end, you know. No, he's, he's out. He's like, this, this war's over. He flees, he goes running off, and he runs over to um, this tent that he sees in the distance. And the tent was, uh, was of a man named Heber. Heber is a Kenite, and, and Heber the Kenite had a wife named Jael. And so Sisera knows that there is peace between King Jabin and Heber the Kenite, because the Kenites were actually part of the Israelites. So, so it was very interesting because he's like, Heber had separated himself from Israel and had separated himself from Canaan and said, I'm going to be neutral over here. I'm just going to go camp my, 
my tent over here. And so Sisera sees him and says, oh, we have peace with this guy. So she run, he runs over and he meets JL. Now JL standing outside the tent says, no, hey, he's like, listen, they're coming after me. I need you to hide me. She's like, sure, no problem. Come on in. Come on in. And then, you know, puts, lets us go, oh, here, let me give you some warm milk. You know, why don't you take a rest and covers him up and, and she goes to sleep. And then what does she do? Waits till he falls asleep. She grabs a tent peg and a hammer, puts it on his temple and bonk, puts him to death. Kills Sisera in the tent with the hammer. Okay. Now, Barak and his troops are looking for Sisera, and they roll up to the tent of Heber the Kenite. And Jael says, hey, I got the dude that you're looking for. He's in here. And they go in. They find him dead. Jael gets the glory for the victory. And Deborah writes this beautiful song, which is all of Judges chapter 5, about it. And if you look on your hammer, if you look on your hammer, you'll see Judges 531 there. Okay? Um, Judges 531, which says, Thus let all your enemies perish, O Lord, but let those who love him be like the sun when it comes out in full strength. Judges 531. Now, as I was pondering this story, I'm praying because I know there's some really big significance, like I can't get away from this story for Mother's Day. And so um, I began to study the names a little bit more in depth. Like I began to, like, what does Deborah mean? What is... What, is it? what does Sisera mean? What is Jabin? So I'm looking through my, my Hebrew word meanings, studies, and I'm, I'm looking through this stuff, and, and I kind of start getting blown away by what's in here. And I'm going to lay out the people and the locations in this story, not all of it, but just the ones that, that are kind of um, pertinent for where we're at today. And, and what I want to do is... is is relook at this story, understanding what the names mean. Are you guys with me? Okay. So let's look at the heroes of the story, right? The heroes of the story is Barak, right? That word means lightning, okay? Barak means lightning, okay? And he was the general of the Lord's army. Now, his troops were kept at Mount Tabor, which means choice, choices that you make, purity, and bruising. Mount Tabor is a place where you make the hard choices to stay pure. That sometimes hurts, but purity produces power. Didn't know if you knew that. Actually, purity is a conduit for power. The more pure your electrical lines are, the more power can go through it. Okay? So the, the army is kept at Mount Tabor, and the, and the, uh, the head of the army is lightning. Now, let's look at Deborah. The word Deborah is really interesting because you know how she judged under this big terebinth tree? That, that, that big tree probably had some bees in it because the word Deborah means bee. Like bzz, bee. Now, she's the wife of Lapidoth. The word, the phrase, wife of Lapidoth means woman of fiery spirit. A woman of fiery spirit. Many, many Jewish historians believe she was a redhead. I'm serious. It's not a joke, right? So 
She was a woman of fiery spirit. Okay? Now let's look at JL. Now this one, I was like, Lord, what are you saying? What are you saying? JL means wild mountain goat. I'm like, what? Lord, what do you mean wild mountain goat? The wild mountain goat killed Sisera. So it's really interesting because the wild mountain goat is one that is able to climb into high places, take really, really big risks. They can jump mountain to mountain, hundreds of feet between mountains, and they'll make the jump. They'll see one little spot that they think they can land on, and they'll go for it. Now, one of the things that's interesting is it, it, it signifies those that dwell in peculiar, tight spaces, and they are able to withstand elements and make daring risks. Okay? Now, let's talk about Heber. Heber the Kenite was Jael's husband. The word Heber means partner and togetherness. So Heber and Jael, right, fit very well together. But what's really interesting is that he's a Kenite. What were the Kenites? The Kenites was a, was a word for a lance or a smith, someone who worked with metal. Why was it? I'll just throw this out there. It might be that the reason why he had peace between King Jabin and separated from Israel was because he was a smith who worked on 900 chariots. Okay, just throwing this out here. Let's look at the villains of the story. The villains. King Jabin of Canaan. Jabin means perception or discernment. Canaan means subdued. King Jabin symbolizes one who has a passive discernment or a subdued perception. It's a type of strong bondage as well because there's 900 chariots set to guard his twisted perception and bad discernment. What's also interesting is that the chariots were kept in a place called Herosheth Hegoyim. Now, that, what that word Herosheth Hegoyim means is the carving of nations. It's a place called the carving of nations. Did you know that the seed of a nation is the family? The seed of a nation is the family. The seed of a nation is the family. So, Heresheth Hegoyim is where the chariots are kept, which is the place where they say the carving of nations. It was the home of Sisera and his army, right? The nations, the families, can be divided through allowing passive discernment in your house. Nations, the family, can be divided by allowing passive or twisted discernment in your house. That's what came up for me there. All right. Permitting a lack of discernment or twisted discernment in your house will divide, it, divide your family. All right. Let's look at Sisera. This is actually an Egyptian name. Sisera means servant of Ra. Ra was a god in Egypt. 
and he was obviously the leader of the Canaanite army, right? Ra was the sun god, a false idol of light, looks good. It's about the physical world. It's about the natural world. You were serving the natural world. Do you hear? Like so, Sisera stands for someone who is serving the natural world. Like what you see being more real than the living God who's unseen. And worshiping what's happening in the natural over what God's doing in the spiritual. So the servant of Ra is one who um, serves reason, serves wants to worship what you can see, right? The servant of Ra, you can see the sun come up and go down. It's easy to worship the sun comes up. Yeah, I can see it. So, if you have your Bibles open to Judges chapter 4, I'm going to read through starting at verse 12, and we're going to kind of put this all together for us today, okay? All right, Judges chapter 4, verse 12. And they reported to Sisera, who is servant of the God of the physical and false reasoning, that Barak, lightning, the son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, the place of purity. So Sisera gathered together all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the people who were with him from the place where they carve nations, Harasheth Hoagayim, to the river Kishon. Then Deborah, a woman of fiery spirit, said to Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has delivered the God of the physical world and the false reasoning into your hands. Into your hand, has not the Lord gone out before you? So Barak, lightning, went down from Mount Tabor, and with 10,000 men following him, and the Lord routed Sisera, who was the servant of the false god, and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak, and Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Harasheth Hagayim, and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. However, Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wild mountain goat, the wife of Heber, the wife of togetherness, unity, right? The Kenite, for there was peace between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera. I said to him, turn aside, my Lord, turn aside to me, do not fear. And when he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. Then he said to her, please give me a little water to drink, for I'm thirsty. It sounds simple. It seems simple. But isn't it interesting that when you let someone who serves the natural world, when you let someone who actually serves false discernment and false perception in your house, they want something from you. Give me some water. Those areas of our life that the enemy wants to begin to rule, he begins to draw you into by making you compromise, making you give something to him. Now, she's like, I'll do you one better. I love this. She says, she opened a jug of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him. 
Now, it's interesting what they, what they really believe. The Jewish historians would teach that this jug of milk was actually a little bit of a fermented type of milk that would put this boy to sleep. Okay? It wasn't just regular old milk. Might have had a little uh, juju on it. You know what I'm saying? Like a little bit of the proof could have been a little high. Okay? He said to her, for, for those of you unaware, that's alcohol. Okay. So, right? God of the physical and false reasoning, Sisera, right? He says, give me some water. I'm thirsty. She gives him milk, gives him a drink, covers him. And he said to her, stand at the door of the tent. And if any man comes and inquires of you and says, is there any man here? You shall say no. Then Jael, Heber's wife, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him. I love that. She's not making a ruckus. She's a stone-cold, silent assassin. She comes softly to him, drove the peg into his temple, and it went down into the ground. Remember, he's a smith. Heber's a smith. She knows hammers. She knows how to use hammers. She knows how to use pegs. It was his trade. She partnered with what the tool that she got came from her husband. Oh, snap. So, she drove the, the peg into his temple, and it went down into the ground, for he was fast asleep and weary. So he died. And then as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael, the wild mountain goat, came out to meet him and said to him, Come, I will show you the man whom you seek. And when he went into the tent, there lay the servant of the God of the physical and false reasoning laying dead with the peg in his temple. So on that day, God subdued, which is funny because the word Canaan means subdued. God subdued the king of sub subdue. <laughs> Jabin, King Jabin of Canaan in the presence of the children of Israel and the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. Whew. So God used Jael. Let me just say this. God used Jael, the wild mountain goat, signifying those that dwell in peculiar places, that are able to withstand elements, make daring risks. They're untamed. They're wild. So he uses Jael to subdue the servant of the God of reason, the servant of the God of the natural world. We must look at where we have allowed twisted discernment, where we have partnered with false perceptions, where we have partnered with a subdued reasoning and perception, where, where we have allowed their to be in agreement, peace, between us and the natural world where Jesus has not been full Lord of all of our life because our families depend on it. One of the questions that we have to ask is, where are we keeping peace with the God of this age instead of partnering with God to subdue the enemy? Notice that in verse 23, it says, That day God subdued Jamin, king of Canaan, in the presence of the children of Israel, and the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger 
and stronger against. So when we keep, we cannot, we have to find this place, right? Where are we keeping peace with the God of this age instead of partnering with God to subdue the enemy? Because if we can find those places, we can get stronger and stronger and stronger. And we will finally destroy the enemy that's been in our homes, that has been in our lives. All of this summary and, 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 and a lot of these points really you know, came from Mika as we studied this together. And, and this whole rest of this is, would be where Mika would. So I'm not Mika, but know that this is her voice to you, moms. Okay, this is her speaking now. Okay, she gave me her notes. I'm going to read through it. Okay, because I believe that you need to know that from the mother of this house, right, because she is, that there is something beautiful that she wants to invite us into. Okay. Where are we keeping peace with the God of this age? Don't make peace alliances with the enemy even if those around you have. Stand strong with God to pursue bold righteousness, purity, and holiness, which is where you keep the army. That was Mount Tabor. We have a choice in what we do and who we serve. Making the hard choices to follow God can be painful, but victory and freedom come. Jabin harshly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. But God partnered with two powerful women to spur the defeat of the enemy. Hear God and prophesy your victory as Deborah did. Right? In verse 14, Deborah says, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you? Know where your help comes from and take that into account as you, together with your tribe, act to face and defeat the enemy. One of the things that's interesting is this word together with Heber, the Kenite, The tools that you need will come from your partner. And for those moms here that are, say, single moms and you don't have a partner, let me just, I want to encourage you that there are people who are in your tribe, people who will fight with you and who will fight for you. You can have friends that stick closer than a sister, okay? You can have people who will fight with you and fight for you. You do not have to do it alone. You do not have to do it alone. So this was activation for Mika. So follow me in this. Think of a time when you have correctly discerned the enemy at work in your midst. Come on, women. You've, you've, you've had a sense. Think of a time when you have correctly discerned the enemy at work in your midst. When you knew. Something's wrong here. Come on. Come on. Moms, you, you, you've seen it. You felt it. You're like, oh, something's wrong here. 
I felt it. So Mika gives this example. Oh, not only think about when that was that you correctly discern the enemy, but now consider when did you become bold to partner with God and see a victory? Think about it. Think about, okay, so it's easy to go, okay, yeah, that was off, that was wrong, but consider the times when you're like, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to partner with God and, and see a victory. Do you guys have those moments in your mind? Consider it, because I, I think each of us, if we've been in Christ, he's, he's like taking you to that point where you're like, oh, something's really off, and you don't have any other solutions but to turn to the Lord, right? So in that place, he shows up. So Mika gives this example. Um, last week, we were having problems with our tech Sunday morning. Mika just walks off the stage and says, I command you to get in alignment now. And everything went, bloop, just started working. It was like, show, okay, all right. She prayed for me when I was sick um, with COVID, and two angels, Charlene was there, and, and um, I was at kind of the most critical point where I had lost so much oxygen and had been thankfully not admitted to the hospital. but. Um, uh, I couldn't breathe, and I was fighting for every breath, and um, and was real like almost passed out that time, and um, this is when the angels just she began to pray. Quinn's scared, you just begin to pray, and two angels just walk in the room, and just begin to minister to me. It was beautiful, but see, we have to partner with heaven to see that happen. So she's. So that's another example. Get that moment clearly in your mind for yourself. When you heard and when you saw that victory. If you don't have a memory like that, imagine what that might be like. Once you have that moment, okay, guys, well, let's shut our eyes for a second. Let's just shut our eyes. Consider. Consider. When did you correctly discern the enemy at work in your midst and then become a bold partner with God to see a victory? If you don't have a memory, imagine what that might be like. How does it make you feel to know that you have victory in Jesus? That God gave you the victory? Now, I want you to think about a current situation that you're in that feels too daunting, too big, like the, as if the enemy is in your camp, as if you don't have the right tools to fight. Now grab your hammer. You have the tools. God has given you the tools. God and the people around you want to partner with you to defeat the enemy with you. You have the tools that you need to defeat the enemy in your life. Mika woke up yesterday morning. You can look at me. Mika woke up yesterday morning hearing the word scour. Says this, she can scour some things was the phrase that she heard in her head. 
she can scour some things. And to scour can mean to scrub, to make clean. But an actual archaic definition is to clear a region of enemies. To scour means to clear a region of enemies. And she woke up with the words, she can scour some things. With God's help, we can properly discern the presence of the enemy in our camp, receive the strategy for victory, and clear not only our home, but our whole region of the enemy. Will you stand with me? Some of us have partnered with false perception, false deception. We've, we've partnered thinking, well, this is a compromise that I need to make with my family in order for us to be okay. And I'm telling you, most some of those compromises, not most, but some of those compromises are not from God. They're not from the Lord. We've been allowing compromise and t- because of a twisted perception, bad discernment, We've had allowed that to rule in our families. And God is asking us to no longer partner with false perceptions, with bad discernment, but to partner with His army, which is in the place of purity and holiness. To partner with the general, which is the power, the Holy Spirit coming like lightning. To partner with the spirit of Deborah, to have that fiery spirit, to be women of fiery spirit. God wants you to fight for your family, to reject the lies that have been on this region when it comes to the role of women, to reject the lies and the false perceptions on this region about compromising in our children's lives. God will give you wisdom that you need to fight this battle. He will give you the wisdom that you need to fight this battle. He will give you the wisdom that you need to fight this battle. So take the hammer. Know that this, that like when you see the, listen, God has given you the tools that you need to defeat the enemy in your tent and your home. But the Lord is calling you up to no longer allow for compromise. Do not make peace with Canaan anymore. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each woman that is here, and I thank you that you're releasing wisdom and discernment and proper judgment over each one. We will no longer allow compromised discernment, compromised choices to carve up our families. We partner with you, Lord. We partner with you as our perfect partner. Holy Spirit, we partner with you to do what only you can do. You're the only one who can change your heart. You're the only one who can move mountains, God. You're the only one. So we are asking, God, that you come and you break through in our tent, that you break through to put the enemy down. We would no longer worship the God of reason. We would no longer worship the God of the natural world, but we would slay that God and its servants in our tent. 
God, I pray that your voice and your spirit would be the only voice and the only spirit that we listen to when it comes to how we raise our children and how we heal our families. That we would stop going to other sources and other reasonings to figure out the truth. But we would come to you. And I pray, God, that a plumb line of the word of God would be absolutely set in every woman here. That they would only move according to the word of the Lord. That they would hear your voice and they would move. God, that they would have, have scripture in their ears, scripture in their hearts, God. That whenever any situation comes up, they would have a grid. They would have a reference for your word and what your word says, God, at every turn. Father, I thank you so much for the powerful women that are here. I thank you that this word is to set the region free. I thank you, God, that as we, we uh, detach ourselves from bad discernment and we grow in our ability to come only under your word, that, God, the enemy will be routed in this region. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for it. Father, I pray for a spirit of courage like a wild mountain goat that's able to climb up into the steep places and take a really big risk where it feels like there is no safety net, God, you are there. Where it feels like there's nowhere to land, God, you are there. When it feels like the risk is too great, God, you are there. So, Father, I pray that you would encourage and build and give courage to the mighty mothers and the women in this house in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. So, uh, you know, it's not your average Mother's Day sermon, um, but I felt very strongly that this is one of the keys for us. Oh, thank you. But but this is this is like I really believe that if we can just begin to look at the decisions that we make on a day-to-day -day basis. Begin to look at what I naturally respond to. Did I just partner with King Jabin? Did I just partner with bad discernment here? Like we have to begin to ask and, and, and begin to submit all of that to the Lord. It's the same for you, man. You're not off the hook on this King Jabin thing, right? Like we all have to begin to do this part where we go, oh my gosh, am I partnering for the sake of peace in my house? Am I partnering with bad discernment? When, God, you're actually wanting me to slay the enemy in my tent? Kim, that is not your husband. I, I just got to remind you. Oh, okay. All right. All right. She, she had a way too big of a hmm. I was like, whoa. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 No tent pigs for Kim. All right. Well, I, you know, I just, I feel like we're, we're coming up into a place of authority, church. As we come into a place of authority, we have to be pure. We can't have compromise. Because the devil wants to exploit and try to get you to bow through compromise. So when you notice that there's compromise, can I just get the hammer out? Don't hit anybody, please. Okay? 
That's why I got the tiny ones. I'm like, ooh, I'm going to get the smallest hammers I can. No. But there's this, this reality is, is that we have to be willing to put this, these reasonings down. We cannot continue to allow it in our lives and in our families. Amen? Amen. All right. Bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.